Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. And to hear and to contemplate your handiwork in our lives. We pray that tonight you move with power in the hearts of your people. We pray that your word becomes a good seed planted in each heart to bring forth a harvest that glorifies your name. We pray that your word become a lamp unto our feet that allows us to step in the direction of your purpose and light unto our path so that we not walk in darkness and confusion. We give you thanks for your word that does not return void, but it finishes the work which you send it to do. Now speak to our hearts and allow us to hear from your spirit, O oh God. Allow us to receive your word, welcome it, and give place for it in our lives that we might be the light and the salt of this world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. The challenge for the church in every generation is the surrender of the heart of man. And uh, I, I had a huge problem with surrender uh, at the beginning uh, last week we talked about Gideon and how God shows up to his life and says, Gideon, you know, you great mighty man. And he says, you have the wrong person. Uh, why don't you pick somebody else? And, and so this is happening in the hearts of every single person in here. There's a, there's a surrender issue. There's an issue of, will I give my life entirely over to God? And, and so we're stuck on that uh, possibility um, to to be able to give up control of direction for our lives. And so I want to tell you, this started in my life about 30 years ago when a little cousin of mine who was nine years old, I was about 14 at the time, uh, maybe 15, and this little, this little person, uh, she just confronted me and she looked me straight in the face and she said like this, she says, Joaquin, you're going to hell. And I got scared. I was like, why, why is she sending me to hell? And um, I didn't understand the concept. Uh, I didn't think it was nice for someone like her uh, to do that to me. But I, I went home and I started reading the Bible. I said, let me, let me read this Bible one last time because I don't want to go to hell. And um, I hadn't killed anybody. I hadn't raped anybody. I hadn't committed any capital crime. So I didn't know why she was destining me to hell. But I, I soon found out that I wasn't, I, I didn't have any knowledge concerning these matters. So I, I started to inquire and to look into these things. And I realized that uh, my knowledge of Jesus Christ was intellectual knowledge. I knew that there was the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Um, I had been baptized, uh, you know, early on in my childhood. I'd been first communion. I had been confirmed. I had gone to uh, a Christian school in my upbringing. I had, uh, I just missed being an altar boy because I couldn't stand, I couldn't sit for so long. Um, ADD wasn't, uh, what is it called? Attention deficit disorder hadn't been diagnosed yet. So uh, I couldn't, you know, I tried out to be an altar boy, but I couldn't, I couldn't sit still during mass. But I can tell you that I had all the head knowledge of Christianity, but I had not made it personal to my heart until my little cousin confronted me. And then that one day where I said, Jesus, I am a sinner. You could raise that one finger and say, I can know I'm a sinner. I, I, I know you died on the cross for sinners, and I want to ask you forgiveness for my sin. 
And that was a personal conversation I had with God. In fact, um, the pastors of the church where I visited one day, when I came to the front and I knelt down to talk with God, and I said this would be the last time I would have a conversation with God when I was 16, and I said, God, I don't know if what these people are saying is real. If it's real, I want it. If it's religion, I don't want it because I have a good religion. And if a pastor would have come up to me and said, son, do you have something you want to tell me? I would have said, leave me alone. I'm talking to God. And that, that was my mind that day. And so that day I said, Jesus, I know that you are a savior. I know that you, I've heard you're the lamb of God. I believe you're the lamb of God. I believe you died on the cross and your blood washes my sins away. And I'm a sinner. And I want to ask you to come into my life and to change me. And, and if you do have a plan for my life, I want it. If it does exist, uh, I want you to save me if that exists. I'm not going to help you, I told him. I'm not going to help you save me. I was thinking about a lifeguard that was out there uh, watching people swim and then seeing somebody drown. If the lifeguard goes out there and he says, excuse me, sir, can you help me save you? That's a crummy lifeguard. I think Jesus knows how to save even if we're not helping. How many say amen? amen. And so I, I said, save me from my sin, but I'm not going to help you. Because I want to have what the world is offering. I'm attracted to the world. And so that was, that was a serious prayer that day in the house of God. And I received Jesus Christ as Lord. And I took it from head knowledge and everything the church had taught me and all the religion I had learned. And I brought it down to my heart. And I said, I need a Savior. And Jesus is a Savior. And I confessed and, and made him, you know, my Savior. I accepted him in my heart. And I got up and I left. And I wasn't worried about what was going to happen. That was his problem. And, and there began the life of surrender. I was, I was holding back. I, was, I, I had dug my heels into the ground and I was resisting the glorious plan of God for the life of a young man who was destined to, to darkness and to being lost. Uh, I, I believe that there's, there's total deception going on in my heart at that point when God has an incredible life. Now, hindsight is 2020, they say. That means after you live your life and then you look back, you can tell everything that happened. And if 30 years ago I could have seen the plans God had for me, I wouldn't have resisted. I wouldn't have, you know, been um, so, so hard in my heart to give my life to God. One of the things that really blew my mind was 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, where the Bible says, Do you understand that, that I have wonderful things for you? Things that eyes have not seen. Nobody had seen this in my life. And nobody could tell me, you're going to be a world changer. You're going to be a, a powerful man of God. You're going to have a beautiful family. You're going to have a beautiful marriage. Your ministry will transcend and, and, and mark the lives of thousands. Eyes have not seen, nor have ears heard. Nobody had told me that. Sometimes I, I tell my nieces what God has prepared for them, and they're like, they, they giggle. They don't believe it. When I say well, the plans that God has for you are so wonderful, how, how important it is to have people in our life with vision. 
We should send them there to the next time they have that, that stuff in Hikilio. You know, have Jurgen's surgeons give them spiritual vision, more important than physical vision. That we can see the destiny of our children, the destiny of our grandchildren. I'm already seeing my grandchildren. I can't wait. I'm seeing my grandchildren come in uh, to godly homes with godly men and godly women. And we couldn't see this. We were blind as a bat. And God had promised these things. Eyes have not seen. Ears have not heard. It hasn't even entered into the heart. You know what's in the heart? It's imaginations. Our dreams had died. We weren't looking forward to anything good. Um, it, it, was, it was a travesty to not want to be around. To not want to see tomorrow. It was so dark. I, I still remember what I felt like when somebody talked to me about God. Um, when, when I read Deuteronomy 28 with the blessings and the curse for the first time in my life. Listen, listen, listen to this. Total darkness. And when they read that chapter, I saw a little spark of light at the end of the... And I said, maybe this is true. Maybe. That was the only thing I could grab onto. That maybe what I was reading in the Word of God was real. Everything else was no promise. They're like, like um, forgot who was, who was saying that just now. That the, the world promises but doesn't deliver. It promises but doesn't satisfy. And so there I was, a teenager, and, and with the challenge to surrender. And surrender did not come fast. And, and uh, all that was taking place inside. So it just, it just leads me to question what are the things that are holding you back from giving it all to God? What is, it, what is, what is the justification? What is the reasoning behind that? Um, again, 30-30 vision. When I had been a Christian about 15 years, um, 15 years had gone by, and I saw what God did with a, with a total dropout, a total delinquent. A, 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 you know, my parents don't like me to say this, but, but just a total... You know, in class, a disrespectful young man, a man that didn't listen to teachers, didn't get along with teachers, didn't have any hope, um, uh, uh, a potential uh, high school dropout, um, straight Fs. Listen to me. Straight, how, could you, how could you get straight Fs? Uh, you know, you have to basically not even go to school to get straight Fs. Yeah, that, that was it. And then, and then that column of the sports, I would show up just for P.E., and there I had a good grade because I like I liked go to PE. But everything I was an F. I didn't know how to turn in homework. And so in that regards, when time had passed by and now the Lord put this delinquent, this, this, this guy who didn't go to school right, now he's a lawyer, now he's married, now he's writing contracts, now he's having children, now he's buying houses. And I'm saying, this is, and I told my wife, I told my wife as I was taking the Florida bar, as we had gotten married in May, and uh, I was taking the Florida bar like sometime in July, and, and I said, Yvette, you see me reading? We're sitting there at the hotel, and I'm going into the exam. You see me reading? This is the glory of God. I don't read. I like a lot of pictures in my books, so I don't have to read. I like to see pictures. And, and so um, there's no pictures in law books, guys. There's no pictures. And, and when you're reading 300 pages a night for six weeks in a row, your eyeballs fall out, you put them back in, you keep reading. Glory of God. He gets all the credit. 
his preparing us for the things that he has for us. He says, things have not even entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. I want to tell you tonight that loving God is nothing less than 100% total surrender. To be able to say, God, I will abandon everything I know. I will abandon everything I have. I will abandon everything I can potentially have or know. And so who are these people that are able to come to that place of total surrender? And Jesus Christ is an example for us there in Philippians chapter 2. That's why the Bible says that he's the roadmap. He's the guy that has gone before us. Um, One of the verses says that he's the forerunner. He's run this race. And he's run it in such a way that we can, we can look into his life. And, and it says there in verse 5, Philippians 2, 5. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. This, this is not fun. Anybody want to agree with me that this is not fun? That when you're looking at taking the thoughts of a man who gave his life. That, that's not something that you're looking forward to. When, when will I be crucified? Christ was already crucified, and his life, I want to say like this, his surrender has brought us all incredible richness. And so it says you guys follow him so that, so that your life becomes a supply and resource of endless glory and grace to The nations of the earth. We have a small glimpse in these 12 young people who go to Nicaragua. It says, we don't even know what's going to happen over there. We don't have a game plan. We're just going. And then God uses them every breath, every step, every moment of their presence in this place is a refreshing dew of heaven and an overwhelming joy to to hundreds of hundreds of people that have no hope have no out they have no answer they don't know what's going to happen tomorrow all they they look around and they see darkness and and so i praise god for these for these 12 young people who decided to do this i'm 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 in this and I've, i've said this for the last 16 years in this church you must set aside time during the year to go on a missionary trip. This is not left to chance. Well, let's see if I decide to go to um, Walt Disney or, or Fort Myers or to see the Grand Canyon. Listen to me. I challenge you every year of your life to take some days out to be a missionary. Be on a missionary trip. I, I praise God for my dad. He's 79 years old. He's gone on three medical missions trip in the last year. He's going to go on the next one, I think, in a couple weeks. 79 years old. And so there's something incredibly um, inviting with respect to this. Let's go back to Philippians 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a servant. 
You know, I, I really think that, that in some countries of the world, even, even in America, we feel, you know, I'm not no missionary. You know, I'm, I'm middle class. I'm high class. It's amazing when, when our kids come back from the mission field and says, it's hot over there. Yeah, because you spend your whole life in air conditioning. God forbid you turn off the air conditioner on the way to church. You probably wouldn't come. Of course it's hot. And it's sticky and it's uncomfortable. And, and the food might not be the pleasant food. Uh, yesterday we were at the dinner table and, and Nick says, they were feeding us something. They were feeding us something. They couldn't even figure out what they were being fed. I said, don't worry, it's just alley cats. Those, those things taste good. Listen. We're in church on a weeknight. You know what that means? We're hungry for God. Amen. We're not playing religion tonight. I, I refuse. I refuse to be part of, of something that's not real. I, I want the reality of God. And, and, and many times the reality of God is taking steps in His direction without even knowing, you know, what, what's going to happen. But I promise you, if you take steps in that direction, something glorious is going to happen. Something that's going to really, going to bring into an understanding of what he wants for us. Um, I, I believe also that God hides from people that want to be tricky and manipulative. I believe he hides. He doesn't let those type of people find him. But people that, that, in, that, that come and bear their hearts and, and say, God, you know something? <laughs> I Look at my heart. It doesn't want to surrender. Look at my heart. Look how so filled with itself it is. It's trying to avoid you at all costs. And let me just tell you something. If we don't surrender to God, we're going to be, we're going to be taken captive. Because people, people don't flip things around. So, so I'm not giving myself to God. Okay, my friend, then you're going to be carried away with those things that aren't surrendered to God. And that's scary. That is real scary. We need to find out what surrender means. In the, the life of Christ, we see him, says, giving up where God is, the form of God, and becomes a servant, coming in the likeness of man, being found in the appearance of man, verse 8, Philippians 2.8. He humbled himself, became obedient to losing his life, even in the way that's expressed at the cross. I've, I've seen, I've, I've been a Christian long enough where I've seen how people want to surrender. God, here's my conditions of surrender. Here's the list of things that if you do, then, then, then I'll, 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 that's not surrender. That's not surrender. Surrender. 
It says, because he was able to surrender, verse 9 is glorious, is therefore God highly exalted him. And give him the name, gave him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow under heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord for the glory of Father. We're not going to see the results of his glory until we garner the courage of surrender. We're not going to see it. It's going to be non-existence. Well, I want my sons to be great. I want my family to have an inheritance of blessing and peace. I want my, my listen to me. No surrender, no glory. No sacrifice, no will of God. Romans 12.1. Paul begs. He begs the church. He uses the word, I beseech you. That word beseech. I beg you. That you present your bodies. As a total surrender which is acceptable to God, which is the only thing that is reasonable. And in that way, the Bible says that you not, verse 2, conform to this world. I want to tell you why we're not seeing more glory is because there's not much surrender. We all have a game plan. We all have it figured out. And it says, the world has formed itself into non-surrender. Do not conform to this world, but be transformed. Find the way that you renew your mind so that you might know, you prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Um, some man came up to me on Sunday and says, I want to hear from God. I said, no, you don't. Every time you hear from God, you get upset. Every time God is calling you, you run and hide. You don't want to hear from God. God's going to say, leave it all at the table. Take my game plan for your life. Take my purpose. In Job chapter 11, verse 13, one of the, uh, the advice given to those that want to find God is surrender your heart. If you surrender your heart, you're going to be able to see God in a clearer manner. If you set your heart right, Job 11, 13, and you extend your arms out to God. If you prepare surrender in your heart and you stretch out your hands toward God, I promise you, you won't regret it. Promise you, you're going to see glories untold. He continues on and says in verse 14, if you put sin, that word iniquity, if you stop doing your own thing, if iniquity were in your hand and you put it far away from you, you would not let wickedness dwell in your tents. You would have no scheduled time outside of the will of God. Verse 15, then you would lift up your face. And it wouldn't have spot. You could be steadfast and fear wouldn't have a grip in your life. 
You know what surrender is? Is abandoning yourself to the will of God. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? When, when, I, when, I, when God called us out to, to start Spring of Life, they said, Joaquin, you're taking a jump and you have no clue where you're going to land. And I said, in my father's arms. I'm jumping into my father's arms. I want to, I, I want to see God. That, that was the big step. I had phone calls. You're crazy. You don't have time for this. You, you, your life is going to suffer. You're married. You have four children. You're, you're, you have a law practice. You're busy. You have family. All that means nothing. All that means nothing without God's presence in my life. Without understanding his game plan. And I knew for a fact that, that you know, you, you say like this. Already you know, in, in Nick's preaching on the good life, he says, dad left his friends. He left his, his, uh, his career. He left his likes. He put God as a priority. And, and you feel like, like you're going into, a, you know, into no man's land. You feel like no, one, no one's going to be there. And in the midst of this scenario, it was a desire to see God in my life and in my family. It was a desire to see God in this world. A manifestation of God revealing what's the next step. A friend of mine um, who preaches the gospel says, Joaquin, if somebody comes to your office and asks you a question, and you tell them, look, this is what you're to do. You're, you're to start going to church on Sunday, you start going to the midweek Bible studies, you start going to prayer, you start living a life for God. And if in the following week he comes again and asks you a question and hasn't done the primary things, don't talk to him anymore. Don't waste your time, in other words. The, the question is that you can sit there in a desert and wander for 40 years. The people of Israel never came to see the promised land because they refused to believe God and surrendered. They kept on talking about Egypt. They kept on uh, having issues in their heart. And so it, it got such that, that, uh, that even Moses, their leader, didn't go in to inherit the land because the people refused to surrender. I want to challenge you tonight. Uh, there's several people here. Uh, there's brand new people. There's, there's fathers that represent families. There's single young men like Mauricio who's 19, could do whatever they want. Um, he, what age did you get here, Morris? Nine years old. So he spent 10 years here. His parents aren't here, and he's here. I know for a fact that that requires surrender. I know for a fact. Um, gentleman came over to my house and says, uh, repairman, he says, do you mind if I smoke? And I said, no, I don't mind. But it would be criminal for Jonathan. How old is Jonathan? 
12 years old to come here and see you, a 50-year-old. That you would be a stumbling block to him. And I said, I don't mind, but Jesus says, if you cause one of these little ones of mine to stumble, it's better that you tie a limestone to your neck and throw yourself in the ocean. Because it's going to be better suffocating and drowning than standing in the presence of God having been a stumbling block to a younger generation. I've always said I'm 46. In six days, I'll be 47. I wish there were 60 and 70-year-old men that would have taught me how to surrender their lives. I wish there was an older generation that would have taught me how to not pursue the cares and the worries of this life. We've already had previous generations that live for themselves. So in my family, there's not one family member that I could point to that says this guy served Jesus Christ with all his heart, all his mind, and all his strength. He put God first all the days of his life. I don't have that. But here we have an opportunity to be this, this reality in the lives of the people that are in our homes that put God above all things that put his word at the forefront to be able to see the glory of God far beyond what we could ever fathom. I believe that's what my children have seen. They do have someone. They, they, have, they, they see surrender. They see the reality of one who is pursuing God with all that I ever can. Friends and family has says you're going to mess your children up. I'm going to tell you that I'm super, super blessed because I've seen children that have walked in surrendering themselves on a daily basis, moment by moment, with their friends, with their family, with the church. I have my daughter come up to me tonight and she says, Dad, she's back there working in the house of God. What's the order of the videos? How is it that you want to present them? Where is she? She's 13 years old. She's serving Christ. She's not a nimwit filled with her own passions, her own desires. She's not here throwing tantrums. She's here losing her life at such a frail young age. And so this is what God is calling us to, and the fruit is marvelous. It's sweet. It, it, it surrenders all the fear. There it says, when, once, you, once you've taken out the stain of sin, of non-surrender, you shall be steadfast, secure, and without fear. Let's ask the musicians to come forward tonight. Listen to me. It's, it's a travesty. It's a travesty to not be able to surrender to a, such an awesome and good God. We, we will find the stigma in the lives of our sons and daughters that one day will say, I won't surrender either. I won't surrender. You didn't teach me what it was to take your heart to the altar and say, God, all I am is all for you. Everything I have is all for you. 
And, and God will be respecter of no persons. The Bible says that, that he who loses his life will obtain it. But he who preserves his life will lose it. That's, 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 a, that's a sad predicament. Um, I, I, I wish I had words to be able to be more eloquent and articulate in, in helping you to present your life as an offering that is pleasing to God. Your marriage as a dynamic duel surrendered to God. Your children, your family, your talents, your time surrendered. And in that regards, let's stand tonight and ask God. I've been sequestered. I have been kidnapped. What, what happened with these young people in, in Nicaragua where at the age of 10, you get all the stuff for free and then you're paying it for a lifetime. I want to suggest that that's no new trick. The devil has fed your fancy until you're so addicted to yourself you can't surrender to God. You're so addicted to your self-life that you're not available to the great plans that God has for you and your family. A great inheritance. If God could give you the ability to see what a life of surrender would be for your family, in a second, you would be able to say, God, fast today. I want to die to me. I want to die to what I think, to what my plans are. I want to tell you that on Monday nights, the men's meeting is spectacular. What God is doing in the hearts of men are, are really powerful. We're seeing men that are excited about seeing God show up, show up in their lives. Instead of them running in fear, we see men that are getting prepared to see great victories. Great plans God has for them. As we sing this song, could you bow your head? Close your eyes. And this will always be the issue. It is in my life. He didn't only cause me to surrender my teenage years, my adolescent years, my dating years, you can say, as God was, was preparing the things he had for me in my relationship with my wife today, surrendering the potential of finances, to not look at that as as something to, to merit and to go forward, uh, having worked with, with great big law firms and having great contracts and, and great uh, potential of economic increase, there's a greater riches. There's, there's a greater treasure than the things our hearts are attracted to and seduced. I want to tell you that, that America has, has exchanged the, the entertainment industry. There's not a movie you could go to that is not a bitter taste of total disgusting perversion. And then we, we have lost our ability to set aside time to, to, 
to go for those things that, that are of a greater weight of, of value. And let's sing this song to the Lord and, and ask the Spirit of God to minister to you tonight. And, and I, I would say that, that God draws you with cords of love to surrender. The Bible says that Jesus paid the cross, the price of the cross, because of the consequence that it would bring before him. I'm going to lay my will down so that I might inherit what God's plans are and get me out of the way. We're singing a song to the Lord.